Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Valerie McInnes, Vice President and Chief Medical Information Officer at Centura Health. Dr. McInnes, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for inviting me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. And we're thrilled to have you as well. I know it's going to be a great discussion. This intersection between uh, clinical care and information technology is so important. And it's great to be sitting at the uh, middle of it and really being a liaison between the two departments. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, so, Val McKinnis, and I serve as the Chief Medical Information Officer at Centura Health. Um, tell you a little bit about Centura, and then I'll tell you a little bit about myself, if that works. Um, Centura is a faith-based healthcare system with 20 hospitals and several, several hundred providers in our ambulatory clinics in Colorado and Western Kansas. Um, we've recently welcomed five hospitals in Utah into our connected ecosystem um, because we really do believe care is better where we are. So very excited about our Utah partners and bringing them on board. Um, a little bit about myself. I am a family medicine physician by training. I spent the first part of my career working for the Indian Health Service on the Navajo Reservation in Northwest New Mexico. Um, during these e early years as a rural, uh, what we called at the time, full spectrum family medicine doctor, where I did everything from birth to very old people and everything in between, um, I really saw the disconnect back in the early 2000s of just how lack of connected information really um, prevented us from being able to take the best care of our patients especially in geographically um, isolated lo uh, locations. So I, I dreamed as a young doc about the day that technology would be more than looking up labs, which is about all we could do at the time, but really um, enabled me to provide the highest quality care to my patients in really meaningful ways, regardless of where they live, what their cultural background was, or what their socioeconomic status was. So really how do we connect all the intricate pieces of our healthcare system, all the information we have on our patients, in a meaningful way that transforms uh, the care that we deliver. Like a lot of my colleagues in physician informatics, this has been an accidental career. So I always like to say uh, the Accountable Care Act um, during the Obama administration really fueled a lot of our careers. Um, uh, you know, those of us who are baby boomers and Gen Xers um, in terms of healthcare informatics, and I was no exception. Um, I think that the CEO at the hospital I worked at in the, the late 2000s um, I thought I was the perfect candidate um, to do informatics, which no one was really sure what that was, because um, I had mastered the use of my Palm Pilot and seemed technologically advanced um, to hospital administrators. So I was fortunate in those early days to really learn a lot on the job and uh, lead those early implementations of computerized physician order entry and content development. Um, I did this locally at my hospital and then took system roles in, in different uh, various capacities throughout Centra and was fortunate to just grow up in an amazing culture of informatics and learn a lot along the way and eventually um, became board certified in clinical informatics. Um, and from a clinical standpoint, I started my career as a full spectrum family doctor, um, but for the past 13 years, I've 
been an adult hospitalist in both rural and urban locations. Um, most of my career has been in rural America. Um, spent uh, uh, 15 years in um, small town in rural Colorado, and then have also worked in Metro Denver at a center of facilities. So I've been able to see the entirety of practice from little tiny hospitals and critical access facilities all the way up to tertiary care centers um, during my career as an informaticist. And I hope this really informs the way that I look at the services we provide our patients and the systems we create to do so. Um, I love taking care of patients. I think it's still like the coolest job ever. And practicing medicine really does keep me connected to the reasons why I do what I do. Um, I look at every shift that I work in the hospital as another opportunity, not only to serve our patients, but to learn more about how we can translate um, technology to the care of our patients at the bedside. My informatics team, I think, always groans after I've done a weekend in the hospital because they know I'm going to come back on Monday morning uh, with a lot of new ideas and challenges and things that I feel are important to address. So really, really been fortunate throughout my career to be able to connect uh, two passions of taking care of patients and figuring out how to do it better with technology. So that's a little bit about me. Absolutely. Fantastic. And, you know, definitely love that career pathway and, and certainly, um, you know, starting off with the Palm Pilot to think how far we've come since then um, in really the fast pace in which things are still changing today with new technologies, artificial intelligence and more, you know, there's so many possibilities out there. So we're definitely lucky to have you um, as somebody leading the charge on that technology side in, in um, technology and healthcare. Now, based on where we're at today, what are some of the opportunities you have your eye on as well as headwinds that you're thinking about right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I always do laugh by context. When my parents got iPhones, I think that would have been like, gosh, 2007 or 2008. Um, I was, I, I really, at that time, I was like, I don't know how useful these are gonna be. They seem so distracting. So I, I really do laugh at how far we've come from the days of the Palm Pilot with the few applications I had at the time and how cool I thought it was. Um, in terms of opportunities and headwinds, I, I don't know that you're going to be interviewing a CMIO right now um, who isn't excited about um, really harnessing the power of AI, especially with a lot of the partnerships we've seen recently, which really make it accessible to clinical medicine, right? Um, when I used to talk about you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, in the context of medicine, people would think I was crazy. Like, what do you mean? You're gonna have a tricorder or it's gonna be like Star Trek or we're gonna go into healing chambers like in Battlestar Galactica. So I think it's really interesting, um, again, to see just within a very short period of time, I would say really in the last 24 to 36 months where we've gone from AI as a concept to really being something that um, we're developing entire has for in clinical medicine to, to transform the care of our patients. So, um, you know, I, I, I started thinking it's like when I went from my initial um, Motorola bag phone in 1995 to really the latest iPhone, it's that far of a leap that we've made actually with AI in just a few short years. Um, I, I, I love to talk about chat GBT. And one of my most recent favorite stories of this was uh, my daughter, who's a senior in high school, was asked in her AP English class to write a paper about chat GPT with some of her, um, with some of her classmates. And of course, um, they asked chat GPT to write about AP English and them writing a paper in chat GPT. 
And it was so funny because she came home and told me this. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Your teachers just got to be just what are these kids doing? Um, but she said, like, Abby said, actually, their teacher was like, yeah, like, this is going to be the challenge of the future, right? How do we really harness um, artificial intelligence and learning? And, you know, you guys, <laughs> you guys demonstrated one of the challenges that we're going to have going forward. So I always say as we look towards the future with artificial intelligence, especially platforms like ChatGPT, really understanding the constructs that we establish in medicine and being very clear on the problems we're trying to solve rather than trying to boil the ocean with you know, relatively new technology is gonna be important. So I am passionate um, in medicine that so much of our data is unstructured. So if you look at your information as a patient, if I look at my information as a patient, that of my family members, 80% of our healthcare information is unstructured. And that's a huge problem because our current ways that we do a lot of predictive analytics, that we do treatment algorithms, order sets, all sorts of different um, interventions are really based on structured data because that's codified data. That's data we can understand within the context of the electronic health record and other platforms. So when I think that of all the patient data we've got out there, there's huge amounts of their data that we just really do not have our arms around. And I think AI is going to help us do that, um, especially with the use of natural language processing. So I'm excited to really be able to harness um, the power of AI to predict and diagnose diseases more rapidly and accurately. Um, I, I will tell you when I am on shift as a hospitalist tomorrow um, at one of our tertiary care hospitals in Metro Denver, and I'm seeing patients coming in through the ER, I do not have time or the bandwidth to sift through every progress note, every radiology report, every pathology report, all their old clinic notes, <laughs> notes from other health systems, and all sorts of other data, nursing notes, to really be able to extract those nuggets, which are going to help me um, really come up with a comprehensive picture of the patient. And so I see AI and, and specifically natural language processing working with in that construct to help me paint a picture of you or um, you know the guy across the street as as a patient within the within the really the context of your life and your specific things. When I think of socioeconomic, um, you know, criteria, uh, really social determinants of care, so much of that data really does exist in narrative form in our electronic health record. And we really miss out often on developing targeted outreaches and interventions for uh, vulnerable patients at risk as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Absolutely, it's fascinating to, to think about all the possibilities there. Now, from your vantage point as CMIO, how do you think about growth and adding value to the organization overall? You've just mentioned so many different ways and applications and things that um, can really make a big difference, both operationally and to the way that you are able to care for patients. So how does that translate into value from uh, the health systems equation? Yeah, so I think that um, one of the huge challenges that we're facing nationally and certainly locally and within our own um, organization is how do we enable clinicians? We're seeing burnout at um, just unbelievable rates nationwide. Uh, our nurses and our physicians are leaving the workforces at a very disturbing, um, disturbing rate. Uh, when we look at the predicted workforce shortages, it's, I actually find it quite terrifying. Um, I wonder if, you know, and what the system will look like for a Gen Xer like me, who will hopefully see retirement in the next 15 to 20 years. 
Um, so I am very passionate in terms of adding growth and value to our work organization um, by addressing clinician enablement and, and by enabling our providers, um, everybody across the care spectrum, from our front desk uh, registration folks through our physicians, nurses, other clinical members, and really through our billing departments, how do we really structure the work that we do and give them technologies and tools um, to do their jobs more efficiently and effectively? Um, I would say most American physicians, and I would add nurses into this category as well, um, spend far more time on administrative tasks like doing their notes and ordering and answering messages than they do in direct patient care. And, and this simply has to change. Um, as we look at a lot of the ways healthcare has changed in the last few decades, we see that the complexity of tasks and the um, just the amount of work that we're asking our people to do has really skyrocketed instead of um, become less with, with the use of additive technologies. So one of the ways um, at Centura that we've really envisioned um, meeting the challenge of burnout is in our Hospital of the Future build. So I've had the most amazing opportunity over the last few years to work on a Hospital of the Future build. And this hospital opens up in Colorado Springs, actually, in uh, July of uh, this, this summer of 2023. And so I'll share with you a few of the ways that I think we've really um, tried to crack the nut a bit on provider enablement um, just to really look at how do we streamline the work that we're asking our people to do? How do we make it easier to do the right things and actually get back to the bedside and care for our patients? So one of those, um, one of those technologies that I think is really going to be real-time locating systems. And, and I like to say as a hospitalist, I spend the entire time I'm at the hospital, truthfully, looking for people and looking for things. So I will try to chase down and find my patients everywhere from radiology to the operating room to physical therapy, um, sometimes even looking for them to be surprised they're in the bathroom in their room. Um, so how do we really enable our physicians to get their work done more effectively and efficiently by just being able to find the patient? Like, isn't that crazy that we spend so much time? Nursing does the same thing. I would argue almost every member of our care team in, in our hospital setting specifically spend a lot of energy just trying to trying to track our patients and our things. Uh, so some of the things we've tried to do for clinician enablement in this new facility is really enable from a high level to help me find the patients uh, by using RTLS um, and being able to locate them on a patient list within our electronic health record to know that instead of going to chase down Mrs. Smith and hopefully find her in a room for rounds that I'm able to actually know she's in radiology and um, plan the work that I have to do accordingly. So I'm always amazed, but especially when you go from a lean process standpoint and do workflow mapping, uh, just at the amount of redundancy and waste that our providers do just because they can't find, can't find our people. And then really helping them find our things. So when I'm looking or a nurse is looking for that bedside ultrasound, instead of looking four or five different places on the unit or maybe calling down to a different floor, we can just simply look for the items that we've tagged with RTLS um, and be able to find them on a unit map. So I think enabling our clinicians by simple things, right? This is not rocket science, but how do we find our people and our things? And then I think the other thing really thinking about how do we add growth and value to our organization is just what are those other big impactful things we can do just in the day of a clinician's work uh, to make work easier. And that's a big uh, motto of ours at Centura is how do we make work easier how do we make doing the right thing for our patients actually the easy thing to do? 
And so things like um, one of the, I think, more innovative things that we've done at our hospital, the future build is create a large screen monitor that sits at the patient's bedside um, that when the patient's in the room um, by themselves, it is really a digital whiteboard, uh, which enables them to understand the high you know, level things they have to do that day, uh, leave messages from the care team or to the care team and, and some other interactive things. But when I go in as a doc, um, based on, you know, kind of my unique identity, that that monitor will flip to a view that gives me all the things that usually I would go and log into a computer in the corner, or I'd write on a piece of paper, or that I'd forget by the time I walked from the nurse's station um, to this room five rooms later. Um, but really to be able to see high yield face up when I walk in that room, what medications the patient's on and when did they take them last? What are their most recent lab data, vital signs, radiology? And just really to remove those barriers and time. And I would say I still see people, docs, scurrying around the hospital with printed outputs of H&Ps and labs and all kinds of data written on little scraps of paper. And how do we really uh, decrease the difficulty of data review with our patients and be able to do it in a personalized way, right? Like, it means a lot more to you if when I'm talking about, you know, what your CAT scan looks like that I pull up the images bedside and you can see them clearly um, makes a much bigger difference for you if we're reviewing your labs that often you're seeing on your portal before I've come into the room right at the bedside. So I think clinician enablement for me is how do we, how do we really come up with innovative ways to address the pain points in medicine? Absolutely. I love that. I, I know that's so important for the workforce on the ground and, and then too, for them to be able to provide better care to patients overall. So that, that's amazing that you've been able to do that at Centura. Now, you know, I, I know, as you mentioned, there's workforce challenges and in, in a lot of uh, resource um, shortages right now in, in, for hospitals and health systems across the board, but it's still so important to make sure that you're looking ahead and, and investing to um, have a great position in the future and keep, you know, growing as much as possible. So, you know, wh what is really a, a space where you feel like is important to keep investing right now, even as resources are scarce? Yeah, I do, uh, to sound like a broken record, I do think AI is going to be one of those areas. But I would caution, it's going to take a lot of restraint and, and great planning for us to really understand in healthcare, what are the use cases that we can impact with AI, and where are we going to see the biggest bang for our investments? So I think, you know, investing in AI, but being very clear on, you know, what's the biggest problems your organization has to solve, bringing in your stakeholders to make sure, as always, um, in informatics, we always joke, we're like, yeah, I can tell everybody what I think their biggest problems are, but really bringing in those frontline physicians and nurses and other um, people involved in the healthcare team to understand, you know, where are we going to have the biggest bang for our buck of all the things we could do? Where do we start? And I think a lot of healthcare systems are really at that stage right now, understanding how do we invest in AI in a way that we see very short-term wins and then have long-term plans. So short-term wins that I would love to see in terms of AI investment over the next year really is um, how do we decrease the amount of time our providers are spending in the electronic record in their in-basket and in documentation. So when I, when I sit in the doctor's lounge and hear my colleagues complain about what they, what they feel most frustrated about, it's that often they're spending days triaging uh, really the messages they get uh, the labs, the radiology studies, the messages from patients, the messages from payers, 
And, and really, we've seen year after year the amount of time, especially post-pandemic, right? We taught our patients during the pandemic, hey, you've got these portals. You can communicate with us electronically, you know, really take advantage of this. And so we've seen tremendous growth, but we really haven't seen growth in the number of people that were able to have do this for our um, clinicians. So I think understanding how we can really harness the power of AI to really be a triage system, right? So how can we use things... Um, I always, uh, you know, look at how we use triage systems in our ER to allow our docs to see the sickest patients first, and that's exactly where we need to look at AI. How can we use AI within kind of the electronic in-baskets um, to really triage so that our providers are spending most of their day doing the most important things and then triaging to appropriate members of the care team or even to, um, you know, kind of embedded AI uh, to answer some of these you know, less difficult questions. And I always say 20 years ago, I, I worked in a primary care clinic and I hired the smartest ER nurse I knew. And remind you, this was like back in the hybrid days of paper to electronic charts, right? We were still on paper predominantly and used um, used an, an a computer just to look at labs really. And I found this awesome nurse who basically every day, all this data would come in and all these patient calls would come in and, and her name was Kathy. And Kathy would sort through all of this stuff and make sense of it for me so that I would really spend my time with her diving into, okay, what were the critical lab values that had come in? What were the really difficult patient phone calls? So I didn't spend all my day on, you know, gosh, this form needs to be done for this payer or we've got to, you know, we need more information for a referral, but that I'd really make sure that those patients who needed critical attention that day I got to, and that's where I really think we need to see AI getting to um, with our providers in baskets. I think documentation, um, how do we simplify documentation using AI for clinicians is another huge area of opportunity. So I, I look to, I think I've tried every strategy for getting my notes done and not having them be a burden. Um, but what I see most of our providers do is they're spending a lot of the end of their day still on the computer in the break rooms, at home, in the pajamas, once they get their kids putting put to bed, doing documentation, and that has to change. So I really am excited to see how we can use AI to, to make an improvement um, in that area specifically. That's fantastic. I love that and just so important, um, a really great area. Now, thank you so much for jumping on the line with us today. This has been a great discussion. And just with our last minute left here, where do you see as a big area for growth for you uh, professionally? What are you looking at? Is there um, just a space that we haven't talked through yet that really you see as being um, an, an important area for growth? Yeah, I mean, I think growing beyond the four walls of the hospital, right? So we've developed healthcare where patients come to us predominantly and they have to access our systems and our resources usually in our physical locations, but we know, especially for our patients who are vulnerable, who lack transportation, who live in rural areas or have other barriers, sometimes just to getting, getting to the doctor's office for care, how do we really look at technology? And specifically, I would say, how do we look at wearables? How do we look at remote patient monitoring and other integrative applications to engage these patients? And I, I think that, you know, the, the mobile phone is ubiquitous. The smartphone is everywhere. So how do we really start to um, engage patients where they're at and look at all of the different forms of technology we're using, whether it's the, um, you know, virtual care, uh, wearables, remote patient monitoring. Um, I'm excited even things of like, how do we save, you know, I just had foot surgery, right? 
how do I save myself a visit to the physical therapist by, by um, engaging with providers who have really developed neural network algorithms so they can look at the motion of my foot? And a physical therapist maybe 100 miles away can tell me, you're close, but you're not quite there, or you need to get you know, that foot to 45 degrees today, but really how to look beyond uh, the brick and mortar of hospitals and clinics to deliver care. Absolutely. That is such a great vision of the future. Thank you so much, Dr. McInnes, for joining the podcast today. And we're looking forward to so much having you at our Health IT Digital Health, the Revenue Cycle event. I think it'll be so uh, lots of great conversations going out there and, and we'll continue to uh, dive into these topics as well. So looking forward to it. Super excited. Thanks so much for having me today. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.